Welcome to Just the Facts with J. Jonah Jameson, alerting the fine citizens of New York City to the threats they don't even know about. Namely, that menace, Spider-Man. Our first caller is, what'd you say your name was? Hi, uh, this is Peter Patterson. Don't you think you're a little hard on Spider-Man? Let me tell you something, Patterson. Spider-Man treats New York City as his own personal playground. Just yesterday, I saw him doing backflips and 360s. Disgraceful. Running and crawling on buildings. In fact, I have it on good authority that he's been doing swan dives off of skyscrapers. It seems the more confident he gets, the more creative he gets. Walk like a normal person. Oh, come on, what's wrong with a little sightseeing? Uh, New York is super diverse and constantly changing. Uh, maybe he's just looking for vantage points to monitor crime? Crime he's causing, you mean. Sources tell me he has backpacks filled with who knows what hidden throughout the city. Unauthorized research stations. Get a permit like the rest of us, loser. Ever since he came onto the scene, prancing around like an 80s action hero, gangs have been setting up shop, using warehouses, construction sites, and rooftops as bases of operation, putting lives at risk. Who does he think he is? Spider cop? I really feel like he's trying to help people. I don't want to hear it. The fine people of New York deserve better. My uncle once said, with great power, there must also come great responsibility. Maybe this is just his way of growing into the hero he wants to be. And from what I've seen, the people seem to be a-okay with that. Agree to disagree, Patterson. Spider-Man only cares about one thing. Himself! Jameson out. Hello and welcome to For the Lore. We've got a fantastic episode that at least Joe and I have been waiting to record now for a while. And that is that we are going to be doing just Spider-Man. The PS4 uh, Spider-Man came out not that long ago. We've all finished it now to varying degrees, but we've all completed the campaign. And we are going to be spoiling all the fucking things tonight. Now, we're not going to talk about the DLC that just came out. Although just, I'm the only one that's played it. Yeah, just preliminary. You were pretty impressed. We'll go with that and we'll talk about that on the regular show later on. But we will. I'm not kidding here. We're spoiling everything that we want to here as we're talking, which includes the campaign, the side missions, the, the, the everything. So you have been warned. Exactly. And as you just heard, we are very to have back on the show. Amir, great to have you back on the show, man. I'm glad to be back. Thanks for inviting me. We need to get you back on more often, and I mean that quite seriously. Yeah, fuck yes. Emphatically <laughs> fuck yes. All right. Now, we are going to be talking about a lot of things. We're talking about the campaign, the cast, the bosses. We're going to talk about the landscape, the puzzles, the crime fighting, their side activities, the suits, the skills, various points of interest. Like, again... I'm not making this up. There is a ton to this game, and with very few exceptions, at least for me, everything hit the mark. And not just, I actually, I, I take that back. It's not that it hit the mark. It hit a better mark than I was aiming for. <laughs> like, what I expected, it, it went so far above and beyond. And that's saying a lot, because you probably both remember the lead up to this was ramping up that this was going to be the holy fucking grail of superhero games. And as much as we want to be excited about that and be like on board, there's still that skepticism of like, 
yeah, but Batman. We've heard this before. Yeah, not just we've heard it, but Batman. There's your fucking pole vaulting level that you're going to have to go over that to impress us. Yeah, they did. They fucking did. Yeah, like to say that it exceeded my expectations is an understatement. And anybody who listens to like the regular episodes know that I was hype as fuck for this game to begin with. Spider-Man is my all-time favorite superhero. Hands down, I have an emotional connection with this character that spans uh, multi-generations in my family. So to say that it is an important character to me and I'm critical of anything that comes out with him, whether it's a movie, a comic book, or in a video game, is an understatement. I There's nothing bad I can say about this game. Like, there, I can't. I've, I, I sat there and... I pick apart shit. I pick apart shit a lot. Well, I I mean, I think it says a lot that for the both of us, the one thing that we could point to and say, well, this was a little off, was just there were multiples of the same costumes at that Halloween party. That was quite Mm -hmm. literally the only thing negative. And that is like, yeah, that's a nitpick. And that's like, that's actively looking for something to say, Mm -hmm. well, there's this, but that's really it. And that's how I felt about how I came out of the game. I was like, well, if I'm looking for something bad to say, I guess Spider Cop wasn't my favorite thing. Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck you. I take back what you I know? said, motherfucker. You are not coming no, no, back. No. And, it, and then it wasn't that, no, not a Spider Cop voice thing. I'm just saying like how they used him like a policeman. And that was like. Like I said, uh, okay, I see what you mean. Nitpicking, like it's just nitpicking. Okay, uh, when I dropped down and I just started web slinging. I was like, oh. <laughs> okay, <laughs> let's back up a minute though now, um, because I think that depending on your experience with the comics, that will dictate how much you enjoy those aspects of the game. How much of the comics do you read of the the Spider Man stuff, or if any? A lot. So a you're lot familiar with Watanabe. Yeah. Okay. All right. Because for me, at least, and again, there's, we're not going to get into the aspects of the, the political aspects of the police, especially in the United States. We're not going to go there, but I fully appreciate that we're going to have different perspectives, perspectives on that. I, I get that. But for me, because it was Watanabe, um, working together, I didn't see it as helping the cops so much as kind of protecting the city a little bit more and and again working with the co- canon in the same way as batman working with jim gordon yeah and i agree that and that's what i was saying like if i'm saying that it's mostly to be nitpicky because yeah. if i want to yeah. say find something to say well this is the thing to be critical about then i'm like okay maybe that one thing because okay. uh, i don't have nothing else now to go back to your experience with the the comic books um I'm going to assume that, again, if you have read a lot of the the Spider-Man comics, uh, which kudos to you, that's great. uh, I'm assuming then you are a massive Miles Morales fan as well, and that this game meant a lot to you because that was being included in it. Should we tell him how much we gushed back and forth about Miles? He already knows. I'm sure he knows. I, I basically was crying. I'm like, they put Miles in the game? Yes! Fuck Yes! Like, I was just so hyped the first time he came on the screen. I was like, for real? This is for real? I'm, I'm playing as Miles Morales? This mean I'm going to be a Spider-Man? Oh, shit. 
And the things that the thing that I liked about the, the 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 elements where you're playing as Miles, and we'll get into that later on as well. But just very briefly, one of the things that I love is that um, you don't actually get to play him once he's gotten bitten. So you are playing him Yet. as a. I know, I know. Hopefully, better be <laughs> fucking. You better be yeah. listening, Insomniac. Uh, but I no theories. But you play him when he's just a regular kid, and you realize in those moments how brave a character he is, how brave a young man he is, how good a young man he is, and, and things like that. And it's it's one of the things that I picked up on on the game as a whole in playing both as MJ as well as Miles and things like that. And those moments where you get the bravery of a regular person versus the, I'm just going to dive bomb into this gang of demons and just fight my way through because I'm Spider-Man. The real bravery is when you're playing those characters. And I, I felt that the ones with Miles, Miles like knocked it out of the fucking bark. I mean, let's take a moment to talk about that, like right there, because in this game, there is that you have two sequences with or multiple sequences with two characters that are completely unpowered, right? You have all the Mary Jane stuff and you have all the Miles stuff. And to make those characters feel fun to play in those segments is important. And then to stay true to the, the heart of the character for them is also really important. So then... You look at these situations that they're in and it's a perfect encapsulation of what Miles is or what Miles is supposed to be. It's this perfect representation of what Mary Jane is supposed to be. And I love it. And they did it such a good job in making those segments fun that I didn't care that I wasn't swinging through the fucking, uh, you know, rafters and like beating people up because it was interesting gameplay. It was fun. And they did something that a lot of other games that do this do poorly. And that's where you have a superhero action oriented game that you then shoehorn stealth sections into. And it feels so disingenuous because you're a fucking superhero. Why are you going to have to stealth all of the goddamn time? Whereas this solves that problem, furthers character development and did so in a way that felt genuine, true to the comics and media true to the characters and still managed to engage me as a player fucking kudos for that shit and i think the thing that got me is i'm usually not a big fan of stealth sections and action-oriented games they didn't overstay their well their welcome no like they were perfectly like the perfect amount of time playing those parts where it didn't feel like oh this is frustrating i'm stuck on the stealth part i'm gonna just leave the game or something because you're mad because you didn't get through it or something it was just like just perfect snippets that built the characters and how they fit in in the whole story and then they were done and you're back to being spider-man and it was just they hit on that area which i i, I guess i just i wasn't expecting it to be that well done like yeah exactly you feel like mj was a badass reporter who was doing the damn thing and miles yeah. was like this brave kid who took some tragedy and is trying to make the best of things well and not only that like they 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 did it in a way that i wasn't expecting to like they they said that we were going to play as mary jane at some point during their interviews leading up to this stuff they didn't tell us what we were going to be doing they didn't tell us that we were going to be playing as miles at all and like we were dissecting the trailer like 
exploring still shots like oh my god it's fucking miles in the game like that was one of the key things too like they didn't tell us what we were going to do and then when they presented it to us it was so fucking tight like it was just so well done the way that i looked at it was um and i went in kind of like you amir where you're you're thinking i i don't know how well this will work because Again, it is a Spider-Man game, and especially when you get into that outfit and you are web-slinging around New York, you're thinking, I don't want to be MJ or Miles. Once Miles gets his powers, <laughs> sure, but just being a kid teenager, yeah, not so much. But the way that I looked at it when I started playing it and seeing what they accomplished was kind of like when I think about writing. Um, and this is something I've talked with my son about kind of thing when we're plotting out stories and whatnot, when you're thinking about your story arc and the different elements that are going to be going in your, your, your story throughout the novel, or in this case, the game, you're kind of planning out what you want your audience to be feeling at different points. It's not always just about, you know, what they're going to be seeing or dissecting or, or if it's a puzzle or whatever. We need to connect to it. So we need to elicit this feeling here. How do we go about that? And what happens is that for so much of that, the, the beginning, before you get to the first MJ, um, while you can set the, the challenge modes and everything for Peter, he's still Spider-Man. And so you have the advantage of being insanely dangerous, strong, have these abilities. Plus that fucking spider sense makes all the difference in the world. So there's mm -hmm. a lot of things where you're getting the rush, the adrenaline, the fun, but you're not getting the, you're not worried, you're not scared and all of those things. Whereas when you are MJ doing that, that run through the museum, to get to the office and, and do the puzzle thing, which I thought was fucking brilliant. Um, or if you are miles trying to get through the sable area and it's like, it's legitimately dangerous. Those motherfuckers will shoot this kid. Like the, the, the it's palpable. Like you, you can taste it in your mouth and, but you don't get those when you're Peter. So the game uses those characters to elicit the emotions that they want you to have at specific times in the game. And it's fucking brilliantly paced out so that you're you're actually looking forward to those moments where you'll get to play, go back to, okay, what's going on with Miles? I want to see, I want to play as him again kind of thing. And, and it works to, to great effect. Okay, let's move on from there now and actually get into the campaign. Now, what we're seeing here, kind of importantly, is not necessarily an entirely new take on the Spider-Man mythos, but it is not the regular Spider-Man canon uh, of the comic books, although there were some comic books that have come out, and the first one of Spider-Geddon, the new event that's going to be happening in the comics, is featuring this Spider-Man that we are actually talking about, because in the comic books, there are multiple Spider-People, and they've had a, a, a phenomenal event not that long ago called Spider-Verse, and there's going to be the Into the Spider-Verse movie coming out in a month oh, or baby, so. I can't wait. Oh, tell me about it. And then now they're working on another event called Spider Geddon. So all that just to say, 
There's a reason why we're seeing Miles in this game as well, because he becomes a Spider-Man. And if they're leaning towards Spider-Verse for their trilogy of games, say, to take on the Batman Arkham games, this is it. And in a big fucking way, too. So interestingly enough, there was a recent, they've been doing a lot of AMAs, they've been doing a lot of streams, like Insomniac Games has been not idle since the game's released, and they've let loose some very small snippets that if you're paying attention, reinforce what we, like that entire concept that you're talking about. They absolutely intend to have a universe, not a game world, not a franchise, a universe that this is the seed for, which is why- You mean a multiverse? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I'll gladly Sorry. take on a spider, Gwen. Oh, but dude, that's, that's what... exactly it. Like they've got, they literally, they've got it already laid down. DLC for fucking years. Every fucking spider comes out with a DLC, and people like us, if it's done as well as they did with the original game, I mean, not to the obviously that degree, but like the black cat stuff that you did, I will fucking keep giving them money. Oh, absolutely. Take it. Take it all. Yeah, and and that's the thing. Like they and they wanted to make the system that they're using in the the world that they they crafted for the city something that they can just transport all of those things into. And even if it's not DLC, even if it's like an expansion pack later, or if it's another version of the game later, um, or whatever the case is, they've already laid that groundwork where they're not going to have to build completely new systems every fucking time. They exactly. tried to future proof as much as they could. Yeah. Like they, they're, they're doing great stuff. And like I said, and we won't go into details, but from what I've played of the black cat DLC so far, fucking amazing amount of content for what is supposed to be just part one of three. Yeah. Like imagine, imagining that with other characters and other campaigns, like they could very easily do that. And the way that they transform New York city throughout the stages of the regular campaign, because it does, the entire city does transform at several points. They know what the fuck they're doing. Well, that's the thing that happens with uh, spider verse as well, because of all the shit that goes down, that would have a huge impact on New York. And that's kind of what got me excited as well. Because, again, for people who've not read the comic books and whatnot, uh, a few years back, we actually talked about about it on Comic Book Informer when it was happening. And Vince and I both adored that event. It was fucking amazing. You had all of these spiders from the multiverse coming together to fight against a a big bad. Let's leave it at that. That's all that's important. But New York gets, oh, shit goes bad. And one of the things that's the running gag in Marvel Comics is how New York is constantly the target for every fucking bad thing that happens. I want to see that in this trilogy. I want a New York that's been taken down. I don't care if it's from the the bugs from those the the the, the spider slayers or whatever it is. I want uh at the you know in the second game say I want in the in the part of the third, I want New York obliterated. I want you to be fighting through a wasteland to try to save the city as well kind of thing. I think they just did a really good job at building all the story into it as well. Like everything that happens 
to the city and to the people and the relationships constantly builds on itself all the way end to the end of the game. So you don't feel like anything that happened doesn't make sense. Well, it's I think it's more than that in in that I don't know if you guys either A noticed or B agree with me. Um but I felt that and I've said this as it pertains to other games now, the questing in this game has kind of spoiled me now in terms of what I expect from other games. So when I'm coming across tropey questing bullshit in other games, I'm like, oh my God. Because everything that happened with Spider-Man felt organic. It felt like you're just going around. Even the side missions, saving the fucking pigeons. You yeah, know, yeah. it's just you bump into the dude, you start talking because you're your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man, and then before you know it, you're saving fucking pigeons. <laughs> and you're enjoying it too, and it's fun. But it's all of the questing, everything I felt was so organically done that it has literally ruined it for like questing in so many other games for me. It, you know, and I want to point like point out that the game is not trope free. It's not. It does. It definitely has tropes within it. But there's we talk about this all the time. As long as they are well done and make sense, exactly. we don't mind them. So these tropes here, even we can point them out. We could go all day and say, oh yeah, this is this, this is this. But they're like you said, they're so organic. They are so well placed. They are used properly. They are not overused. And it. I, I say this not lightly. It is the best Spider-Man movie I have ever played as a result of it. <laughs> I think it just did a great job executing on those things. Like, you know, some of the crimes are sort of repeated, but, like, you feel so good playing as Spider-Man because they execute it just the way he moves and, you know, the skills he uses and the web-slinging and grabbing people that you still feel like you're having fun even though you're just punching on bad guys you you still feel like but i'm fucking spider-man <laughs> yeah okay actually before we get into the campaign we have to start off with the city because it sounded like it was going to be amazing when they were talking about it but we've been gaming long enough that we knew enough to think we'll believe it when we see it Holy fucking hell, this city, again, exceeded all of my expectations by a ridiculous amount. Because what they brilliantly did was create a system, uh, a city, I should say, where, again, they need to be thinking about how we are connecting with their game. So and how invested we are and how we feel we are in the game. And you don't want to in any media for the person to feel like they're being taken out of the moment. And so one of the ways to do that effectively is to merge whatever fiction you are creating with elements of reality so that we can recognize it. So putting for Marvel to use um, New York is brilliant because as they as they prove in this game where you get to do it, not just see it on the page of, of a comic book, you're actively doing it. You get to see all of the shit that's real, like Times Square, the financial district and things like that. But you see Avengers Tower. You see Doctor Strange's 
um, Sanctorum. And the bar with no name. Yeah, you're seeing all of these things that are then geeky, cool shit that if you are a fan of any of those people like Doctor Strange or Luke Cage, Jessica Jones, all of those, you're going to really fucking love. And it's it it again, it blends both in so that your brain actually, again, lends them a lot more credibility then so that when shit goes ridiculous, you're still kind of on board because, again, it all has this strong foundation. It, it works so fucking well when you look at everything that they did in this city. And it's New York. So, like, when I'm in the game and I'm navigating from place to place, I actually know where the fuck I'm going. <laughs> like, it was weird. They're like, oh, you need to, like, the, the cop or crime thing is, like, in the Chelsea area. Oh, that's this way. I need to head west from where I am. Like, you're like, holy shit. Like, they actually got the layout pretty fucking down, too. Well, you and know, in the fictional world. Like, here's the interesting well thing. Here's the interesting thing for me. And we talked about this in the past. New York City is one of the cities of the world that in order to use the likenesses of the places, the layouts, the streets, everything like that, you have to pay the city a sum of money in order to do so because they have a likeness copyright on those key key buildings and key things like that. I want to know how much money Marvel fucking ponied up to New York City for this shit because there's no way in fucking Somniac Games did. There's no way they could have afforded it. Like, that was literally Marvel going, you make a good game, we'll go talk to New York City over here. Hold on. Because, like, you swing through Times Square, you're like, it's I'm fucking Times, Times Square. Square. Yeah. You're in Times Square. <laughs> And like, and then the things they do take out, like they they added the church that Uncle Ben is is buried at, the one where Mary Jane and Peter got married, uh, like all yeah, that stuff. That is Avengers Tower, and yeah. and like I because I decided to go hunting because I was like I had this realization. I'm like, huh, you know they put all this other stuff in here and it feels really organic. Fuck it, I'm gonna go to the northern part of the island. I'm gonna see if that goddamn church is there, and it was. And Uncle Ben's tomb or uh, gravestone is right there. And I went back, and uh, it's not marked. You can't interact with it, but I think they're going to patch it in at some point uh, because there's another tombstone later on. Yeah, there's so much attention to detail. Like it's yep. just like just little stuff like that. It's, it's it's like I find myself like like wanting to find stuff wrong with the game just to be like I have something bad to say. But like anytime someone asks me about this, I'm just like buy it. Yep. What's, no. what's, oh. what's funny is that um, one of the most telling things for me, too, with the, the, the cool aspect, again, it's, it's a fun game to play if you're just into adventure games. Definitely. Even if you're kind of everybody knows who Spider-Man is. I, I don't know anybody who doesn't like the character, so you'll have fun. But for people who are the, the comic book nerd people, okay, and I'm not talking like over the bored kind of gatekeeping bullshit no no i'm just saying you like comics you really you know the stuff and you're having fun and you enjoy it when i first got into the game and again it's cool from the fucking get-go and i and i'm thinking okay well let's do some web slinging and then you're going like holy shit and then i was at one area and i was thinking okay i'm gonna find like the the highest building and go to that i see and head to it and see, A, can I actually get to it? And then B, how, does it feel like it's that high? So I head over 
and I'm I'm swinging along, and it doesn't take long to realize, holy fucking hell, like. I'm going across this city. It's all here. It's taken a while for me to get there. And I finally get up it and then I'm running up it because you can do that. You, you just kind of cling and you run up. So I'm running and running and running. And it took a while to get to the top. But I kind of turned a corner at one point and I look, I'm on fucking Avengers Tower. <laughs> and I, I stop and go like, this is too fucking cool. <laughs> like, And then you go up to the top and you realize... Yeah, the city is explorable like this everywhere. Which then leads, of course, to the landmarks that you can find as well, which as somebody who is not a New Yorker, who's never been to New York, I really, really dug that. It it gave me a new appreciation of the city and in being able to appreciate, you know, how the these architectural, um, not, I don't want to say wonders, but highlights of the city are or here and there kind of thing. It was really fucking cool. And I adored how they integrated his camera and this love of taking photos again into it. Because oh, yeah. again, any fan of Peter's understands that. So I, I really, really dug that element of the game. You it know, was, I kind of wonder... Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, go for it, bro. I kind of wondered if they were going to leave that part out of it, like uh, him as a journalist, because, you know, they were... The game started off focusing on his science background and him working with um, Dr. Octavius. And the way they integrated that in, I was like, oh, I still feel like Peter, who worked for the Daily Bugle, still exists in him. And there's little things that sprinkle that in there, like when you're finding backpacks and you come across. Oh, dude. (laughs) Like, I was like, these are really little, cool little things that they just did to bring details to make you feel like, you know this character if you read about him or you saw him grow up this is still that same guy maybe in a slightly different universe but this is still the peter parker you know those backpacks were brilliant like absolutely brilliant initially i was thinking okay hold on how many fucking backpacks are all over the place and you kind of suspend a little disbelief but it's true in terms of the comics. He's always whipslinging those fucking things all over the place. And mm-hmm. he even comments on that at one point. But all of the shit that he finds in them is not just a useful for you because you get tokens for it or whatever for your crafting. But it's actually nice little nods again to anybody who's appreciated the comic books. Well, not only that, but as a as a person who identifies with Peter's personality ever since he was a kid, that's some shit that I would do like, and that's some shit that I do in my own fucking house where I will put something down, forget where I've put it, find it six months later and go, Oh man, I remember like like that is, you're yeah, sitting there telling the story of it yep. out loud to yourself, like, yep. oh, yeah, this is what I got this thing. And, like, he's narrating these things that you pick up, which is even cooler to me. Like, everything you pick up, he talks about where it came from, what happened with it. And I'm just like, this is perfectly nerdy enough for me to be like, <laughs> Oh, and, and like I, so I had an argument with somebody about that part of the game because they're like, "Who the fuck does that?" And I'm like, "Me, literally, like, I man. literally, literally do that when I find something. I will if and if I'm by myself, I'll do it myself. I'll, I'll tell my dog the story. I don't care. Like it's just this is actually what happens to nerds, and so it fit perfectly. Yeah, it was awesome. Okay, moving on to story now. 
So in terms of main cast, you're looking at, of course, Pete and MJ and Miles and May. Uh, you got Yuri Watanabe, like we talked about as well. And then Jefferson Davis plays a, a, an important role initially as well. And then boss-wise, you're looking at Wilson Fisk is there, Shocker, Tombstone, Vulture, Electro, Scorpion, Rhino, Mr. Negative, Dr. Octopus, and Silver Sable. So and Silver Sable could probably be considered both a <laughs> an annoyance as well as a kind of a a buddy towards the end. Oh, that's, that's yeah. saying a lot. But what I thought was that, yeah, for every one of them, I it almost felt like for every one of them, it was the best version of that character was in yes. that way that it was done. And that's including the spectacular homecoming Spider-Man, the last one, Holy, I've watched that so many fucking times, it's unbelievable, and every time I love it more. Preaching um, of the Choir Brother. Yeah, and so there's there's been a lot of good Spider-Man stuff also in the comics and everything else, but the representation here, the voice acting, and especially the job that they do with Dr. Otto, mm-hmm. that, is, that is supremely important throughout the entirety of the game. I love how they use that in the game as well. And then the voice actor for it. Well, I well, they would have done the um William Salyers the, did the, a fucking great job. They would have done the the uh, motion capture stuff on all of them because you can mm-hmm. you can tell like it's you can't just say voice actors anymore. The actor who played Dr. Octopus was the best that they possibly could ever have. Unfucking believable. And the thing with Dr. Octopus, for people who aren't familiar with the character as well, too, and it's kind of different depending on who wrote it and where it appears and whatnot. But the thing that works so brilliantly in this story is how because Ben loses both of his parents early on and then loses Ben at a critical point in his life, he's kind of that. He becomes the man that still is always looking for a father figure in his life. And not kind of actively, but it's just one of those things where you can see it coming. And you can see how good it is for him as well when it's a good relationship. And in this story, kind of like in, what was that, Amazing Spider-Man 2, was it? But this is much, much better. But this Dr. Otto is like a really, really nice character early on. And he becomes that for Peter. Well, and because he's so bloody intelligent, too, he also supports that part of Peter. So it's more than just a father figure, but it's a father figure as well as a mentor. And it's, again, it's done brilliantly. Well, the interesting thing that you're talking about that, too, is they, they don't just reserve the humanity aspects for Otto either. With the exception of... Osborne and I want to say maybe Shocker they they took a, made it a point for the other ones to give them human elements yeah. to like why are they doing what Dude, doing? Tombstone. Who the yeah. fuck thought that you could say Yeah, you watched a Tombstone go made Tombstone of Dude, that was awesome. sympathetic character. That was fucking awesome. I was not expecting that. No, but it, and it's it, and it's great too and it's one of those things where like it and it makes sense for the motivation later on too when things start rolling and progressing in the story and everything sort of comes together, it makes sense why they would go along with it and why they're doing what they're doing. Everything makes a certain amount of sense. 
the only if I had to nitpick here and this again, this is a nitpick. The only thing that was missing from this game from the cast from the rogues gallery was Mysterio. I knew you're going to say that. I knew you're going to say that. But here's the thing. I think we're still getting him. I do too. Because there was there was definitely hidden references to him in the game, right? Um, there was the costume f- a scene in, in the game, in the costume scene. But not only that, what was Mysterio known for doing? He wasn't a violent criminal. What did he always do? Pulled heists. What is the DLC stuff that they've talking about all focusing around? Yeah. I think we're going to get Mysterio before we're done with this stuff. And I think that was intentional to sort of leave him out because there's going to be something new with him later. Well, I think what I was thinking was going to happen was that yes, like you're saying, it'll be brought in as DLC, but kind of as that bridge between one and two. And I, because they spent so much time with all of these other villains in this one, that's going to give a fresh face already introduced that everybody knows and hopefully make him quite dangerous in that one. I, I think that's where they're they're leaning towards. If they if if they know what they're doing, that'd be awesome. Yeah, and that's where I'm leaning towards too. And if they make him a very human a human character that's you know got like the rest of them has his own motivations, but is still dangerous because of them, and because of that, I'm all for it. Like I think that's absolutely going to be. It's potentially stupidly sensational well yes and no the problem though is that once again we don't know whether or not they're going to be leaning into a spider-verse now the thing with spider-verse is that in in of itself i feel that if done properly a spider-verse in and of itself would be probably three fucking games like it's a huge huge event with massive consequences great story arcs great side questing stuff they could put in everything it's big now the thing that i appreciated about this game and that i was a little worried about but that they do really well is what spider-man amazing spider-man 3 did not do well it throws so many villains at you but because it's all part of a story that makes sense it doesn't feel like it's too many villains thrown into the pot kind of thing so if they're going to be leaning towards um spider-verse they're gonna have to do that fast in game two so they could still have some awesome stuff with mysterio and all that but it's got to lead pretty fucking fast into the uh what are they called again inheritors is it or something like that Yes, the Inheritor series. So, yeah, they have to introduce those motherfuckers, if they're leaning into the Spider-Verse, fast. Like, and that's going to have to be... Oh, my God. Okay, so there's an easy way they can do that and accomplish both in one fell swoop, right? Mysterio always wanted real magic, didn't he? The Sanctum Sanctorum is in... This is the game. His ass steals a book, sends out a beacon that summons the inheritors. Done. I am. I I guess I have to go back to to the whole thing with with Peter's relationship with Otto because that one that like built through the story from beginning to the end. Oh God! Yeah really like it was emotional oh yeah like you were emotional into that like well, even like, in the final fight you feel like hurt 
let's put this that into perspective. Let's put this into perspective, and I'll ask both of you. I felt the relationship between Peter and Otto was more impactful than the story between Peter and May. And let's consider what happens to May at the end. And yes, yet I yes. still feel that everything that happened with Otto was more impactful. Oh, absolutely. That's how well done it was. Sorry, go ahead, Amir. No, I mean, that because those things tie in together. How May gets sick, like, is because Otto put the poison out into the air and Peter is dealing with that all the while trying to fix it. Well, and the other interesting thing about that too. So he, here's the thing. And and this is, I, they, I know they reveal it later on, but you have that moment very early in the game where Peter's suit gets damaged and he needs to go and repair it. He doesn't have a house to go back to anymore. Cause he just got kicked out cause he's late on his rent. And so he needs someplace to go repair. So where does he go to repair his shit? He goes to the lab where him and Otto work. And what happens? Otto walks in to find him working on the suit. And this was so perfectly scripted, so well done, that if you weren't paying attention, you're like, okay, what they say on the screen is actually what, what's going on. Where he goes, oh, you're a genius like me. You're helping him out. You're doing what you can with your brain. And I'm sitting here, and, and I don't do this very often to, to like, I, I hate to say break fourth wall, but I, I put my controller down and I turned to Tart and I said, he fucking knows. He absolutely fucking knows. And he's doing the right thing by letting Peter think he's outsmarted him. I and actually did not think that. There's uh, this I'm pause, not I'm right? not saying that I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm not. But I it's one of those ridiculous things, like the, the Clark Kent glasses kind of thing. So it's one of those things that is drilled into our heads as comic book nerds that you kind of have to let some things go. But even sure. taking that into consideration, I saw the blindness of love, not the deception of somebody who was going crazy. Because at that point, he was still a decent man. I mean, the craziness would come that's later. That's what I'm saying. No, I'm not I, saying I, craziness. I'm saying that he was he was letting Peter think he he had fooled him out of love. And it, and it goes back uh, okay, to I see what you're saying. Okay, yeah, I, yeah, I, I still kind of just to keep Peter secret and to help them because he felt that this is someone genuinely and it, he wants to help them see things through. But I, I could go either way on that to be honest with you. And I'm not sure if he knew, but if he did, I think that's the way. Because like what you said, the pause in there, I was like, I wonder if he knows. He yeah. might know. And that's the thing, like they had the scene, like when that pause where his eyes are darting back and forth and I'm sitting there, I'm like, there's no way Otto is that dumb, right? Like he knows and he's going to do the right thing because he's not corrupted yet. And the interesting thing for me about that is how it bookends, right? Because you have that big, the big reveal at the end where, you know, Otto said, you know, calls him Peter and, you know, Peter realizes and he says, you do. And he's like, I always knew. Yeah, of course. But then the you go back to the relationship with May that the what is the last thing she says to him right it's like i always yes, knew yeah. yeah and it's because you can't work with somebody love somebody and spend that much time with somebody and look at how they act and react because don't forget at this point he's been working with auto for years at this point not not like a couple months not not recent they've been working on this project together for years he knows him. He knows his mannerisms. He knows his habits. Like it would be for me, it would be impossible for me to believe that he couldn't pick up on that. Right. 
So like, that's why I, I sort of love it because it's like this moment in Peter's life where he's like, fuck, okay, maybe my secret isn't really as secret as I thought it was. And it's like this big adult revelation to him. Like, well, shit. It seems, and I'm okay with that. It's, yeah. it's, it's fine in terms of the game. If you're looking at it only as this game, the problem that, that I had with that though, is the history that I'm bringing forward from the comic books. So, I found, sure. and, and that both is a, I don't want to say a pro and a con, but I'm looking at it kind of in a couple of different ways. And, and I'm willing to forgive bad writing because of comic book logic, okay, to make that clear. So this is better writing, but it's just that because in my brain I'm preconditioned <laughs> to accept comic book tropes that when they are presented in more of a realistic way, I'm thinking... Well, too many people now know who he is. And also, too many people are dying here kind of thing, which also I did not like as a justification to move so, a character forward. So it, while realistic and great in the game, that part of my brain that's comic book trained was like, well, that's, that's a little much there. And, and I can appreciate that to a certain degree. And let's talk about, let's talk about the death aspect as well, because you and I know we disagreed on this a little bit. Um, I understand that it's a little bit tropey, but in the the realm of the relationships that Peter has, uh, symbolism aside, it was roughly time, right? Like it's that roughly that time period where if May is still around at the end of all of this, Peter has one more anchor keeping him from doing what he needs to do. And I understand that's tropey, but the way that it was handled in game, I thought was was sort of transcended that. And... I looked at it and it was still a very big emotional hit and the turmoil that the character had to go through at that point, it hit really close to home for me. And not just because I'm emotionally scarred from losing family and all that stuff and, and dealing with the crap that I've been dealing with for the last couple of years. But before that, when Aunt May died in the comic books, it was this big deal. And it wasn't just because Aunt May was the staple that died. It was, this is a turning point for the character. And you look at the life of the character after that it's sort of like, I don't want to say it's like the level up moment. It's like, I have to make the adult decision. I have to do things that I I can't, I, that I don't want to do. I can't be that kid anymore and be selfish anymore. And it's sort of like that extra realization. Because one thing that Peter has, even in the comics and all throughout his, his teenage years as Spider-Man is there's always this little layer of selfishness that to some of the things he does. And if you look at it, that's why Uncle Ben died. That's why, you know, some of these other problems happen. That's why some of these villains were created that are in his rogues gallery is because Peter has these certain selfish layers and they're the impulses of a teenage kid. Here he's, a, he's an adult, right? He's 24. It's been eight years. He got it when he was 16 or was it 15? I can't yes. remember. Something like that, 16. So, so he's in his early 20s, and it, it sort of fits because that's when all these really hard life things start happening. He doesn't have a stable relationship with Mary Jane. Like, that, that's all screwed up. He doesn't have a place to live right now. Like, still at the end of the game, he doesn't have a place to <laughs> fucking live. Almost <laughs> at the end of the game. Like, he, like, he, with credits, during credits is a whole other story. Um, but like, he, do, he doesn't, have a place to live he has no stability and that's because he's so focused on 
all these other things. And now he doesn't have a choice. He has to grow up a little bit. And I kind of like that as a catalyst for him because it's genuine to the character and it's genuine for that age. Cause I don't know about you guys, but for me, that is the age that I started losing important family members was my early twenties. And in particular, my grandmother who was very much my aunt may uh, in many, many regards. And was seeing that moment, like it, 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 I, I identified with it in such a special way that it didn't feel tropey to me. It felt genuine. And I think the other thing with it on, on the end of how it worked for him, not just as Peter, but as Spider-Man, he's still groping with the fact that he can't fix everything. Mm-hmm. And this is one of those things that he couldn't fix. Yep. Cause he had to make that choice. He had to make the choice at the end of the game. I and can't, that's, do and that's it. something Roger and I talk about about my life all the time, about letting go of the things that I can't fix. Right. Go figure. You can't fix. You have to let it go. And I think that 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 death sometimes in comic books is used poorly when it comes to that. But I actually think they use it well here because this is something that, like, if you were in that position, you would feel the same way. And if you were Spider-Man specifically, you're like, okay, I can't make everything worked the way I want to work it and now I have to deal with that this is not about me this is about the rest of everything that I'm making myself responsible for I, I like there's lo- so many little things like that in this game that I just I adore it for see actually you hit the nail on the head there I was gonna say how um so many games now are allowing us to make the choices so that there's a moral consequence and and we see that reflected later on kind of thing. However, in a game like this, it's fairly scripted in terms of what is going to be happening. You really don't have a choice. You're not doing A or B, just you're right. doing what needs to be done. And yet still at that moment where it's essentially a choice, do we save May with this or do we save the city? You still as a player are thinking, you know, I, w- I want to choose. I don't want the game to choose for me. And yet it's exactly what you just said. It's not about you. This is about the story and what's happening to him. And you need to just allow that to go go forward. And as soon as you kind of let that go and accept that, okay, you're just watching something at this point. Enjoy what they're, this is their, their they just scored a touchdown. Let them have their fucking dance. Enjoy it. This is phenomenal so that's how it came across to me and and i was i was on board for that i loved it yeah and i think uh to go to the credits thing you're talking about joe i think they even hit the nail in those and those oh yeah too well and and that's one of the other things where i think we're talking about so i'm going to cycle back just a little bit when roger talks about bringing in all of these years and condition of of spider-man or just like through comics and other media I think that they did the best job basically creating a perfect amalgam of all of these and the after credit scenes sort of drive that home. So during the course of it, Miles gets bit by a radioactive spider that Mary Jane uh, brings with her uh, accidentally after she finds all of the extra stuff that Norman Osborn uh, has in a secret lab in his penthouse. Okay, uh, can we all just fucking agree that this version is smarter and better than yes. the version that was in the comic books? Absolutely, 100%. Oh, yeah, for sure. Fucking loved it. It made sense. It absolutely fucking made sense in something that otherwise made no fucking sense whatsoever. 
So now the interesting things that I see going on from the from the combination of this plus the after credits, or get there in a second. So we have that reveal where Miles goes to Peter and it's like, I have to tell you something. I can't tell my mom about it. And Peter's like, oh, okay, birds and bees talk. Okay, I got this. I got this. I got this. And then Miles flips himself and in, in latches to the ceiling and Peter gets a smirk and reveals himself to Miles. You immediately have uh, this role reversal, this growing up, where now Peter is going to be Miles' Uncle Ben, basically. And it's it, like the smirk that they give each other when they're just sitting on the ceiling was so perfect. Well, we'd already, this was like the next part of that relationship between Miles and Spider-Man, because you had that oh, yeah. scene beforehand where he's teaching him to fight. That was fantastic. I oh, adore that. Was so that. Good. It was so good. That just like, that caught me on one of those, another emotional levels. Oh, like, I cried. I cried. I was like, I can't believe he took the time out to do this. Like you're fucking Spider-Man, but like, and it comes it back felt too, right? Well, no, it that, felt right. It comes back. You have that thing where Miles, you know, first of all, faces down the fucking Rhino, right? Right, dude, that was it's, amazing. Holy shit! You want to talk about your your heart in your throat? <laughs> oh yeah, but then not only does he survive the fucking Rhino outsmarts the rhino gets out of there with the medicine that he needs to save people's lives right he then gets jumped essentially well not jumped he comes across a dude getting jumped by two escaped felons who are robbing this dude for his wallet so what does miles do he has the choice take the medicine and run or stand up to these people these guys are bigger than him by, by a good margin so what does he do hey get the fuck away from him you know, you can't do that. So they get all tough. It's like, oh, here's a kid, here's a kid, here's a kid. And then Miles is going through his head and saying out loud, okay, square my feet, you know, get my hands up, be quicker. And then wham, knocks one guy out cold with one punch. The other guy's like, all right, fine, cool, I'm out, I'm done, we're good, we're good. And then you see him just go, oh my God, oh my God. And it's like, that is perfect. It is the perfect payoff for that scene earlier. Mm-hmm. Now, the other thing I was going to talk about too is when talking about the amalgam stuff, is the other after credit scene ties in also with the creation of Miles Morales as a Spider-Man, which is in the secret lab that Harry that that Norman has set up, we see that he's taken everything that has been ever associated with the creation of Spider-Man and is being experimented with and in this room. This is all the files, this is all of the spiders that are left over from that experiment, and a tank that when you're in there as Mary Jane, you can't open or you don't take the time to open because you're trying to get the hell out of there. At the end of the game, during that sequence, he opens the tank. And what's in there? Harry. With what very clearly looks like this game's version of the symbiote. So I don't think Harry is going to be a Green Goblin. I think Harry is going to be our first Venom. Really? Yeah. I didn't see that, actually. Now, if you go back and watch the scene, it's covered in all this black goo. And when Nor- when uh, Norman touches the glass, the black goo touches the glass back. It reacts. And this takes from the ultimate line in which originally the symbiote wasn't an alien creature. Yeah. It was created to fight disease and cancer. And it makes perfect sense that Norman, who we have been following throughout this entire... Or, or, yeah, Norman, who we've been following throughout this entire game, has been fucking around with genetic experimentation, would create to save his son from whatever disease Harry has. We don't know the details of it yet, but it makes perfect 
sense. And so if we get a game later where, you know, Norman is running around as the Green Goblin, which we know he is at this point, he's got all the technology we find in the files and stuff like that. And his son is Venom. It makes perfect sense. And it, to me, is a better thing than Eddie Brock yeah. being Venom first. Yeah. Yeah, completely agree. I mean, when I saw that scene, I was like, holy shit, Harry's going to be Venom. Like, that was the right? first thing in my mind. I was like, holy shit. So we're going to have Harry as Venom and his dad as Grink. Oh, shit. This is going to be crazy. I yeah, did it's like getting the, better and better. I did like the stuff in how they were portraying Harry in this one, because you actually, if you are doing these side missions for the research, uh, research stations that are all over town, you actually are, well, you're not interacting with them, but it feels like it almost because you're getting his video recordings and whatnot. And then you have the conversations early on with MJ, where the presumption is that he's where somewhere in Europe or some damn thing or whatever kind of thing. Um, when in fact, no, he was sick and he is still sick. And in that tank, we find out part way through. So when that revelation comes about, I know that at least I had done a number of the, the research stations. So I was kind of still pretty invested. So when you are seeing what's happening, um, it was like, okay, like this is, this isn't just that he's being worked on or he's in a, a room or something kind of with tubes in him. No, he's in a fucking vat. So some bad shit's going to happen that we get to look forward to in the next game. Well, the interesting thing too is when you're doing the Mary Jane mission in the penthouse, right? Like you can play the answering machine if you find it. And yep. did you guys do that? I did. I did not. Oh, yes, I did. Okay. I, I did. Yes, I did. Okay. So when you're listening to that in here, and I want to get your guys' take on it. I'm torn. I think Harry is part and parcel. Like he knows what was going to happen to him and that he was simply telling everybody that he was going on vacation. Not that his dad like knocked him out or anything like that and did this is that this was all planned and that the, this was him sort of oh, definitely. keeping up the smoke screen. Because yeah. when you listen to that message, he, he, like he hesitates. He's like, I talked to the doctor and everything is clear and like it sounds so robotic compared to like you said when you're looking at the research things when you're looking at all of those items how happy and organic it feels when you're there the recordings of him but still right well, it's not just that they're they're happy and organic but they have a wealth of emotion because they were made mm -hmm. by his mother and so like every time that he's giving you little bits of information um you're getting little nuggets of 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 like little memories of his mother or something that she said or something she wanted to do this or whatever and just the tone of his voice is affection and longing and things like that so it's very humanizing so when you're then listening to this other thing it's like oh no it's exactly what you said there he knows exactly what's going on oh, yeah. but it, he, he knew what was going down for sure but it was interesting to me because I know people that didn't do the research stations and didn't because uh, we talk about video games at work a lot. And one of the other guys that played through it didn't pick up on that. He just thought it was he took it at face value. And when I started talking about it, he's like, oh, 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 that makes so much. Like it was it was just one of those moments. But I love how. I love how not heavy handed this game was with this type of thing. Yeah. Like you got out of it what you went looking for, which is massive to me 
Now, the other thing that we spent a, quite a bit of time talking about as well, too, was the, I call it the scarecrow moment, where he's having the hallucinations from the injection from Scorpion. And mm-hmm. that was one of those things where in I... Um, I enjoyed it a lot, but I could not help but think of both the Scarecrow moments in Batman Arkham as well as the moments with uh, Raja al Ghul, which kind of had a very similar feel to me. So I I was kind of taken out of it. Doesn't take away from it. It was cool, but I actually didn't think it was as good as the Scarecrow and Raja al Ghul moments in in the, the Arkham games. I'll disagree with you on that one because uh, the, to me, the Ra's al Ghul one and the Scarecrow ones, depending on the sequences, some of them felt really weird and almost tacked on, whereas this felt very organic and did something for the Scorpion that I think is really important that a lot of other media portraying that character didn't do. In here, it shows that the Scorpion's Venom isn't just something that's going to kill somebody but it's he's smarter than that a little bit just just a little bit and that max not the smartest (laughs) of the people but yeah just a little bit like he's understanding his power and what he does and what the suit creates right and so like it's it's this sort of mind infection this sort of hallucinogenic that he's doing and we see it earlier with you know him interacting with some of the guards and things like that whereas in like the comic books he just spits acid like it's just corrosive acid like this adds a little extra layer of depth to the character that isn't there in other places. So I thought both as a vehicle to expand the character a little bit, make him just a little bit smarter than he is in the comic books, and then give us a sequence of that sort of in- introspective self-doubt uh, that you get not only from those, but also the negative verse or negaverse uh, sort of sequences from Mr. Negative that you get shoved into. They fit really well with Peter as a character, because it highlights that sort of self-doubt. Batman didn't have self-doubt. Like, Batman was literally just, how do I solve this puzzle? There wasn't really this whole introspective thing with him in any of those. And I think that that's what makes this more enjoyable to me compared to the other ones. Like, they feel like they have an impact, right? Yeah. I I mean, to, to tack on to talking about Scorpion, we can't, like, leave this without talking about Jonah's... Uh, I don't know. Pot is is, is radio show. <laughs> oh, dude! <laughs> because that is just fucking stupendous. They it's the perfect version of J. Jonah Jameson in the game. Like it is just fantastic. The interviews he has with random people in the city, the way he talks about events that are going on throughout the city throughout the game, is stupendous. The and the way they use him as like almost like what a crazy conservative political yeah. commentator is just it's perfect i was like he's I, sean hannity couldn't have done it any better what's I, that he's sean hannity <laughs> yeah i actually yeah. it's funny you mentioned it because before we recorded i actually recorded already a clip with J. jonah <laughs> that's going to be at the beginning of this episode so nice. yeah i i thought those were fantastic as well and much like the stuff with Yuri, it's it's fantastic because you need something to do when you're zip lining around town. So you're you're it's again, it cannot be overstated 
how large the city is. And yes, you can fast travel between a few points, which and you should a couple times. I love, yeah, I love how they did that. It's very cool. But you also find yourself just doing it because it's fucking fun. But having something to listen to periodically that just kind of pops up is fucking awesome. And those podcast episodes, oh my god, they're 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 phenomenal. <laughs> now. I also want to take a moment to give a huge shout out to Darren DePaul, who was the voice of J. Jonah Jameson, who channeled his best J.K. Simmons to do this character and did such a fantastic job yeah. that I literally had to look it up because I was absolutely convinced it was J.K. Simmons doing the voice again. Yeah, he was awesome. Well, everybody actually, that's one of the other things that I was saying earlier on. Like the, the voice acting in this game was bar none absolutely yeah. amazing every there wasn't a single one that i listened to and thought oh you phoned that in no everybody no. was fucking amazing yeah they really bought into their roles like they like i love the the you know his relationship with yuri the yeah. the uh the girl who plays yuri uh tara platt like the, the, she does a good job at just playing off of the stuff like you can feel her annoyance when oh yeah <laughs> stick it is so it's so well done yep it once you finish the game and you go back in there's a moment where she talks to you again and she brings spider cop back again and mm -hmm. she's the one that initiates <laughs> it and i cannot tell you how big my smile was because again that's the stuff very early on you're dealing with this character she's a great character in the comic books i'm really hoping they're going to expand on her in this as well because she becomes wraith so this is a great yep. character to have um and conflicted multi-layered female character oh god i love this character so anyways you deal with her a lot early on and i found the relationship between her and spider cop to be <laughs> so much fun and it was that tension breaking element periodically as well and then there was that point where he'd been through too much and it wasn't there and it was like you were saying earlier he kind of grew up a little bit in a few moments so then at the end of all this where she is trying to coax that back out of him and he dives into it oh my god i was so fucking happy it was unbelievable yeah, that was such a great moment between those two. It made me so happy. Like, and I, I the way that Yuri, Yuri Lowenthal and, and Tara Platt played off each other the entire game was just perfect. Like, I would be very surprised if they weren't recording looking at each other. Yeah. We cannot also go any further without talking at least a little bit about how awesome the Martin Lee, Mr. Negative combo was in this game because that's one of those things that's not always well done or mm -hmm. is confusing or doesn't always make sense how it works into Spider-Man's life and especially May because the feast, I don't know if it's called feast in the comic books, but it, it is. is the same kind of thing. It is? Yep. Okay, so yeah, so that element is there in the comics as well, where again, Martin Lee is a hell of a guy. He's got his flaws, but he's all right, and he wants to help out his community and different people. It's, again, once he turns into Mr. Negative, not so good anymore. And I really, really dug 
every aspect of the way that it was presented, all of the the really sly moments, like after you broke into his office and he wasn't supposed to be there. That's a lot of fucking tension in that room. Let me tell you, but everything in his relationship with may is really good. His relationship with Peter before he starts to suspect you is very positive as well. And then his, his story moving forward and how it works in with not just Norman, but Norman and Otto as well is really fucking cool. Like I felt they did a phenomenal job on that character. I walked into it thinking, Oh, Mr. Negative. Eh. And it came out of it like, Oh, Mr. Negative. (laughs) Pretty cool. Because I was like, this is not a character that, I mean, I read about him in the comic books, but he didn't really hit it for me. But they, the the way they had his relationship with May, I think really made me, like, actually care about what this character stood for and why you came, like, why he did the things he did. And the more you dug into it, like, when you find his office and things of that nature, it felt right where he was in the game and how he tied into the overall story and why he would join Otto and so on. I mean, I can't really add anything that okay. you guys haven't yeah. already said. It's just I'm I was very happy because Mr. Negative is one of those characters that I always wish they had done more with mm-hmm. in print media and done something a little bit deeper. And they don't always do that because he's not one of the big six and he's not one of the big names that everybody recognizes. So to see him given a place of prominence that makes sense to give his character development and depth to show the backstory of his creation organically as they did and show how he intertwines and give his motivation a real world anchor, so to speak, was a huge win for me. And seeing that again, you know, Martin Lee having the sort of almost fatherly figure role for Peter um, is sort of stripped away from Peter as well it was kind of like a big deal and it was impactful and it wasn't just something that was just there for the sake of being there. Well, yeah, because it was very much one of those where you are, um, again, because you've seen the relationship he has with Otto and because we understand that longing for a father figure in his life. And you're looking at the relationship with Lee, which presumably at that point, he's a good, very good guy. And yet we know it's like, no, this ain't going to be right for him. This ain't, this sadly is not going to be that positive a relationship in his life. And it, it, I don't know. I'm overall just very happy that every character was given the proper amount of time and development to feel impactful to the story. Like, I don't believe that anybody was there as a throwaway. Agreed. And, and that's really important because even in, like God of War is the other game that we often compare this to because it was released recently, has a very epic story and very sweeping world as far as what you can compare them to. Uh, and even then, there are throwaway characters in there. There are characters that don't really matter that much that you interact with or come across or find at some points. Uh, and here, literally everybody has some importance, some significance. And it is the most Spider-Man thing that you could possibly do with characters like that because Spider-Man is this character who even cares about his villains. The people who are trying to kill him, he cares about. So what happens to them impacts him. It ha- it has an effect. 
and they bring that through absolutely beautifully. Well, especially with Otto at the end. I mean, yeah, it's it's one of those things where when you are watching a film, if there is no direct tie between the villain and the hero, it's hard to, f- to feel anything for the hero when they have defeated the villain because they're not going to be moved by it. It's just they accomplish what they set out to do, take this jackass out. So the point of the, the film is to draw them together somehow so that when he finally does or she defeat them, there's some some measure of emotional attachment there as well. And here, because of the relationship that he had with Otto and how that shifted over time as well, brilliantly over time, when you see Norman confiscate, confiscating a whole bunch of stuff and, and what that does to Otto and then the changes there, there moving forward and, and listening to those tapes here and there that talk about... Um, his relationship with Norman, the history there, what he thinks about Peter, and how it starts to warp over yeah. time. Hell, even the puzzles that you're doing yep. to try to help the to help keep the things from frying his brain felt yeah. impactful. And you care about the 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 villains in there because they give you realistic motivations for why they are who they are. Exactly. Like, see that video of Martin Lee as a kid going through the things he went through. You feel for him. You know why he hates Norman Osborn. You know why he ends up where he does. It's not <laughs> confusing to you. You don't wonder, well, this dude's just an asshole, just eventually became a bigger asshole. No, this person changed because of something that drastically impacted their lives and it was caused by someone else. And that's important. That's a damn good point. I'm glad you brought it up. And it's important because... Once again, it's not just about us feeling for our hero who's taken down the big bad, which in this case first, well, I shouldn't say first, the big, big bad was Dr. Otto, but, Otto, but the other one was, of course, uh, Mr. Negative. But when he's taken down Otto at the end, you fucking feel for him, and it, it's impactful, and it, it, it works on so many levels. When he takes down uh, Martin... Well, even before, like you're saying, when you see the video of what happened, the the biggest thing for us is to also be able to feel for the villain so that you feel for some for them when they are defeated. And it's exactly like you said, you see that video and like that, you're not questioning his motives anymore. You're like, yeah, I'd do the same thing. Like quite fucking literally, you're like, yeah, definitely. He's he's doing exactly what I would fucking do. So it they did a brilliant job of making you feel for all of the villains as well as your hero. And I think that's one of the important things, because that's always been a distinction between particularly Spider-Man and Batman, right? Like Batman tends to have one type, one archetype of villain, which is just they're crazy. And no matter how they got there, that's, that's ultimately their thing. They're crazy. In Spider-Man, none of them are really crazy, crazy, except for maybe like the Green Goblet, right? Like all of them have very human traits or very human fuck-ups that got them to where they are. And it's one of those moments, like, I love it because you can look at these characters and say they were literally one bad decision or one bad circumstance away from being a hero versus a villain. And like Otto is absolutely that character. And Mr. Lee is absolutely that character. And like, that's kind of important because 
it means that they're not just like mustache twirling jackasses. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not just Which that. That Marvel Cinematic Universe does with a lot of their villains. They're just the mustache twirl away from, mm-hmm. and you know that's why I felt so good about this game. They just they didn't do that. Well, it's it it also sets it up moving forward once again because, like you said, it's one bad decision or one event or something that can flip that switch. That's what's going to happen to Yuri. They they if they put it in, but you know that's essentially there's there's a lot of shit there and there's a lot of history. Yes, but it is it's it's bad decisions that just kind of snowball, and so if it can happen to these other people that he cared so deeply about. It can happen to her. He'll believe it. He'll try to do the right thing to keep her under control like he did in the comics and things like that. So it it all works towards that as well. Now, there is still a lot more that we can go over, although some of it would probably bore you. At at some point, if we start gushing about (laughs) all of the suits, the suit mods, the jackets, or the gadgets, the skill trees... You would get bored. And seriously, we fucking would. But Joe's got a hard leave in a, in a few minutes. And we have been talking long enough about this. So we'll end just with our biggest takeaway from the game. And I'll actually start first and then we'll go around. What I found was that as you started playing the game, it was very much this is going to be a fun story about Spider-Man. And something that hopefully will be a little different than what you've done, but will be so immersive that you're going to be in for the ride and having a lot of fun. And then once you start playing as MJ and as Miles, again, because my writer's brain is not just living it and having fun, but also kind of subconsciously analyzing a lot of what I'm I'm, I'm playing through, for me almost immediately the point of the story changed and it was anybody can be a hero if they're brave enough it wasn't about peter anymore and it wasn't about spider-man because that that gets transcended as you go along as well because you you appreciate he comes to appreciate how he needs a crew he needs people to support him he can't go at it alone or he will die and and that for me became the story that what was important about the game. It was it wasn't about anything else. It was about anyone can be a hero if they're brave enough. And I adored that about that. That was it was because it wasn't bashed in my face. It was presented subtly over the course of the game, over the course of multiple gameplays through through use of different characters. And I love that. Joe, what about you? So there's this moment in the comics when the Beyonder, and, and uh, this is like early 90s, and it was during like the the Secret War type stuff, where the Beyonder like is sitting there and talking with another cosmic being, and he, he turns to him and he says, after Peter leaves the room, he has no idea how strong he actually is. And one of the, the reason that stuck with me forever is because here's this character who imposes these limits on himself yeah. intentionally or subconsciously. Either one doesn't matter, but he does so. He never realizes his full potential. And they capture that essence in this game perfectly. And like you said, the idea that anybody can be a hero, 
is really important in regards to that because he could do all this himself. He could. He could do pretty much everything that was done without looking for validation, without getting the assistance, without including other people. But he doesn't. He knows the value of community. He understands the value of friendship and love. And he understands the power of those relationships, whether consciously or subconsciously. And that's it, right? Like, it's it's not even that anybody can be a hero. For me, the biggest takeaway is that you don't have to do everything by yourself. Like, you don't have to shoulder every burden by yourself. And like you said, it wasn't just bashed into their faces. It was very subtly presented. And as somebody who suffers from a hero complex in real life, who routinely takes on more than I really feasibly can, it speaks to me in a way that is something that I try to tell myself often. And they did it beautifully with a character I love in a story that I adore. And I will say this right now, probably my favorite birth or recreation of any spider universe that has ever been birthed so far is here because of all of those factors and that, and that as well. Amir, what about you? Um, I think the thing that I, I, I get from this game is that the, the, you, the best way I can put it is it feels like Spider-Man and everything that's in the universe feels like Spider-Man through everything you do. Even when you're playing other characters, it feels like all the emotional parts, everything that you've learned about Peter Parker and the people that are around him, the essence of all of that is captured so perfectly throughout the game. From the moment you start web-slinging to the moment you have your first talk with Aunt May, or you hear J. Jonah Jameson on the radio, or you see the, the, the falling apart of Dr. Octavius. They capture all of the characters and their intricacies, and they put it together in such a perfect package that whatever flaws that the game has, we nitpick about them because they capture the essence of Spider-Man and the, the universe around him. It doesn't matter. And I, I was waiting for that. And like you wait for that in a lot of games where they get a character that you love. And I love Spider-Man. This first comic book I was ever introduced to was Spider-Man and they captured everything about him in a video game. And I, I can't gush enough about it. I, I can't wait to see what else they have to offer. And I think that actually what you were saying is important as well because it is a game that um, both sides will be a little trepidous about in terms of like if if you're a diehard fan of Spider-Man, are you going to be disappointed because A, it's a game and B, it's going to have quirky mechanics and it might not be fun, it might not be true to the source material, material or whatever, or are you the kind of person that really does not know a lot about Spider-Man and is not really looking for a game where you're going to be playing as a comic book character because that doesn't appeal to you? And it it works as both. Like, as you said, and as we both have said as well, Joe and I, as, as comic book fans, it works on so, so many levels. But we've also spoken to people who are not 
comic book fans who also still enjoyed it. Like my kids came over for uh, Thanksgiving up here and that was a few weeks back and my eldest was sitting down and we were shooting the shit about games and whatnot and he does not read the comic books he doesn't even watch the shows or nothing he's not into it at all he used to play more games he plays a few here and there but not a ton and i said you got to try the spider-man game i put it on he was locked in for a long fucking time i think it was over an hour he was going web slinging all over he didn't want help it was like i'll figure it out. he's he's over 30 he was like i'll figure it out it'll be it'll be good and he was having so much fun and he would be calling us over his shoulder like check this out oh, look at it and he'd be wreaking havoc but still having fun with it and so it's a title that actually whether you are somebody who is just a passing fan or not much of a fan or whatever or a die hard fan of the character the ip everything you're likely to actually love this game so with that, we are actually going to call it a wrap. Thank you very much for joining us. We're so happy that we were able to record this episode because clearly we had a lot to say about it. And we're not done because as the DLCs come out, we will be making sure to talk about it on the regular podcast as well. And if Marty and Vince haven't played them, fuck it. I don't care about spoiling it anymore. I will spoil all the fucking things now. I don't care if it's DLC or not. I've been holding off just out of respect for them, but fucking Vince bought that Switch and three Switch games, not two Switch and Spider-Man, three Switch games. Fucking asshole. So, Amir, thank you so much for coming on the show, man. It was great having you here, and I'm not joking. We are going to have to get you back on more often. Always a Hell pleasure. Yeah. Whatever you want, mate. Just let me know. I'm glad to be here. And, of course, you can find the show notes at For The Lore. You can find us on iTunes, on Stitcher, on Twitter at For The Lore. Individually, Joe is Loader ZJ. Amir, you are? I am uh, the Prince TNO on Twitter, and you can also find me and my video game community at madcastgaming.com. Uh, you'll find all the info about us. We play a bunch of games. If you're looking for a community to play games with, come see us. There you go. Awesome. Again, thanks for coming out. Joe, you too. And that's going to put it, uh, uh, that's a wrap. We're done. All right. Because I can't talk anymore. <laughs> <laughs>